0: All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. How's everyone? Everyone alive? Everyone awake? All right. Halfway. Halfway there. All right. Well, wow. Well, listen, welcome this morning uh, to New Life Church. We're so thankful for you guys. Uh, glad to be with you. One week into our church-wide 21-day prayer and fast, as Lindsay mentioned to you, and we'll talk some more about that. Uh, listen, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. While you turn there, I'm going to actually read a passage out of Psalm 143 uh, that will also be on the screen to kind of build the foundation of the direction that we're going today. uh, Luke 2 is where you'll turn, and I'm going to read from Psalm 143, uh, verse 10. It's a Psalm of David. And this verse says, he says this, he says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. How many of you want the will of God to happen in your life? You want what the Lord wants? I mean, we spent last week as a church kind of building for that and then praying that last week, setting ourselves and setting our face in that direction that, Lord, your will be done in our life. And David is praying this, and he says this. He says, May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. We begin a new series today uh, for the rest of January. And uh, we will kind of culminate that and end that at the last Sunday of the month on the 26th, as Lindsay mentioned, our Heart for the House service, a Vision Sunday service, and Breakfast Day, and uh, we're, we're moving in that direction. And what we're calling this series is called Unstuck, uh, Moving Forward in the New Year. And, um, and so we're taking this thought here from, from David's prayer, David's uh, heart, that, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. I recognize you are my God, and I'm asking you, by your Spirit, move my life forward this year. Because perhaps maybe you have been in a place before where you have just felt kind of spiritually stuck, You've prayed prayers. You've read the Word. You've attended church. You've given yourself to service, and you've kind of are there. But you said sometimes you feel just kind of your faith feels kind of plateaued, and maybe your faith just feels kind of kind of blah some days. You spiritually can feel that way at seasons of life, and depending on what you've been going through, depending on what you've what you've had happened, and what you're facing, but there is a way. That the Lord says, look, you won't always stay there. You don't have to remain stuck. Amen. Aren't you glad? We don't have to remain stuck. And so, we're taking this thought here and this prayer from David uh, that God, by your Spirit, move us forward. And so, we're going to look at this story here in, in Luke chapter 2. We're going we're to look at this today, and, and the plan is to look at uh, a secondary part of it next week. And we the hill off the hills of Of Christmas, uh, the birth of Christ, the arrival of the Messiah as we spent December uh, looking at that and and putting our attention in that direction. And now we're going to pick up at a time in Jesus' life when he's about 12 years old. All right, some time has gone by, and he's about 12 years old. And, we're, and this, this part of this story in Luke, he writes it in a way where he starts him at 12, and then by the time he wraps this story up, he's older. And he's about to segue into his ministry around uh, 30 years old. And so, uh, so it covers a lot of time. Um, and so we're going to look at that and, and how that relates uh, to our life. Let's look at it in Luke 2, verse 41. He says, Every year... Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him ...among their relatives and friends. Verse 45. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem... ...to search for him. And three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple... ...sitting among the religious teachers... ...listening to them and asking them questions. And verse 47 says, all who heard Jesus were amazed... ...at his understanding and at his answers... All right, let's pray over this. Lord, we've been singing and worshiping you, and our devotionals this week have led us to a place of seeking you, searching for you, and calling out to you. And your word describes in several different occasions how you fill our life, that if we come to you and acknowledge you, you pour into us so that we would never hunger and thirst again. Lord, now as we open your, your word, I pray it would be fresh revelation to our eyes, to our hearts, our spirits, Lord, and it would bring strength and what we need in our souls today. I ask you to help me, Lord, to speak your word on your behalf and fill my mouth with your words of life. I pray, Lord, that this would help us and this would bring us closer to you. We honor you now and recognize you're in this place. In Jesus' name, and all can say amen and amen. Does anyone have a AAA membership, a subscription to AAA, the the automotive subscription? I have one of those. I've had to use that a few times. You know, they're handy if you're out traveling or what have you, from helping to change a tire, if you're uh, needing a jump start on your battery, if you get locked out of your vehicle and need some extra fuel, a tow, or whatever it may be, lots of different things. benefits that they, that they provide. And uh, basically, I guess you could sum that up and say that AAA kind of helps you when you're stuck to get unstuck so that you can get to where you need to be. And this story that we're going to go through here in Luke 2 with Jesus shows us there are some things in life where we can get stuck in, but following the pattern of Christ, we can learn to has he His spirit will lead us forward, move our life forward because we get stuck at times we get we get troubled uh, and, and we get we kind of can get kind of mundane in faith, we can kind of get relaxed in our um, watchfulness and paying attention to the things the Lord says to pay attention to, and so on and so forth, and we can just find ourselves in a place of getting stuck at times and it 's not always like we did something wrong to get there per se it just happens, and we have to Learn that that's not where we're called to live, but we can move through that by the grace and the help of God. And so this story shows a little pattern there and, and shows us how we can follow this pattern and we can apply some traction to our life spiritually. And where we were once stuck, we can get unstuck and we can move forward in faith. And so I've titled today's message A, because that's what AAA does. It helps you get out of the place you're at where you're stuck, and helps you get to where you need to be. Amen? So it's, it's, it's a good subscription to have, not necessarily that one, but the one that the Word tells us we can have in AAA. So I've got three thoughts here I want to share with you today. A1, A2, A3, thus AAA. All right, you follow the dots in my brain and how it helps. All right, or at least it helps me. I hope it helps you. So the first A that Jesus talks about or that that the story happens is, is it teaches us this, that we don't, in this new year, we don't need to approach God and church as usual. Don't need to approach God and church as usual. As we're in this beginning of this brand new year and brand new decade, there's controversial talk, does the decade start now at 2020 or does it start at 2021? I don't care it just is a new year, and it it's it's it all that's what's happening so um um but anyway, so the story goes there it said every year jesus's parents travel to Jerusalem for this passover festival, and at this time of the of the story, Jesus is twelve, and it said they are going as usual, nothing wrong with going as usual or going every year here's the thing, a little quick backdrop to this particular festival, you'll notice throughout Scripture, there's a lot of big stories that happen around the Passover festivals throughout the New Testament. Passover festival and the Passover story you can read about in Exodus 12. If you want to make a note of that, you can go back to Exodus 12 and read all about that. It's coming on the hills of the of the plagues that God sends to Egypt when Israel is is and they're trying. To, Moses is trying to lead God's people from the bondage of Egypt, and all these plagues. God sends these plagues upon upon Egypt to try to harden Pharaoh's heart, and for him to release and to turn over God's people and to send them out on their own, where God wants them to be, to be free. And and this last one was was one where the firstborn in the land would be uh, would would be dead. And the Lord gave Moses and Aaron instructions to the Lord's people. Hey, sacrifice a lamb and take the blood of that lamb and apply it to the doorpost of their homes. And anyone and everyone who has the blood of the lamb, apply to the doorpost of their homes. The angel will pass over them and they will live. Those who don't will be the firstborn will die. And so that's the short version of that whole story. And here's the thing about that particular thing is that the Lord then told Moses that there's going to now there will be a festival a, a holy assembly there every year my people I want them to come together and to celebrate my deliverance in their life and here's the thing about that festival it was supposed to be done annually and from generation to generation it, it's never to stop it is never to cease happening that Passover festival was to always carry on A time to celebrate the remembrance of God's mighty deliverance of his people out of bondage. Okay? And so it was to be done every year. And that's all that was happening here. They were doing this as they were told, as usual, year after year after year. Here's the thing. Sometimes the more routine and the more frequent things happen, sometimes the freshness of that kind of loses its power. Not that routine or or frequent things are bad. We all have patterns like that. It's just sometimes, because the more we repeat something, sometimes the less newness it has, the less appeal it has, the less impact and influence it has on us. You know, our relationship with the Lord and with the church can kind of get that way sometimes because it's something that it's a relationship and we're supposed to talk and pray and seek the Lord, be together as the body of Christ. But sometimes there's just days where we just don't really let's just be honest, we just don't there's just not any feeling in it. There's just not a, a big bump in our heart that just says, man, I just feel God today. There are many days where we just don't feel God. And we sang a song earlier about the way maker miracle worker and the, in the scripture and the exhortation that came with it is that, Hey, he is always working whether we know it or not, or realize it or acknowledge it or not. He is always at work in our life. And there are days and sometimes weeks that we go in life where we just don't feel God, right? Or we just don't feel anything special. And sometimes that, that, that happens in our life. It kind of can get stale, kind of because of familiarity and kind of loses its freshness. Mostly, I think, due to our perceptions. There's a story about a race car driver, Ray Heron, uh, back in 1911. He comes out of retirement to race in the very first Indianapolis 500. Now, the way they had it set up then was it was set up to where the race car driver would always have a passenger with him, and that passenger was a mechanic who would look at the gauges and keep an eye on the oil pressure and the conditions and things to that nature and make sure the driver was always privy to what was happening at the moment, and so that driver could focus on the race. Well, here's what Ray did. For the first time ever, he opted to not have a passenger to not have a mechanic sit in his car. What he did was he put in a rear-view mirror. Never been done before. In fact, it stirred up quite a controversy at the beginning of that race. But as they looked over the rules, they realized there's nothing illegal or wrong with that. It, no violation of the rules. So, yeah, you can have that rear-view mirror if you want. Well, Ray put that rear-view mirror in and raced that race, and He won. He won that race at a whopping speed of seventy-four miles an hour. That was fast in 1911. It's still fast today, but they go really, really fast in the hundreds now around the track. As you can imagine, that set a precedence for race car driving. That they begin to implement rearview mirrors in the race cars, and now we all have rearview mirrors in our vehicles. Over. Over a hundred years now, we've been using rearview mirrors. Why? Why is that such a big, big deal? Rearview mirrors—you probably can imagine—to talk, you can look at rearview mirror. Obviously, you can see what's behind you. And here's the thing about our life and, and our faith: we can either look in our rearview mirror and see our past in the sense of past mistakes or past failures or past pain and kind of feel all the effects of that, and or we can look in the rearview mirror and we can see all the ways God worked in our life in the past days. And I want to submit to you that latter one today as we approach this new year and looking forward and moving forward in our faith is that this year I want to, I believe the Lord wants us to look back and remember all the ways he has been faithful in our life. Think about the different scenarios of your life over the last year or so. Think about the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, and think about it and look back and look and see and remember how God has taken care of you how God has been faithful to you, how God has been good to you, how God has helped you even in the midst of a struggle, even in the midst of a setback, even in the midst of of pain-filled times, how the Lord's gracious hand was there to provide what you needed to get through that and to begin to look ahead and move your life forward. I also believe the Lord wants us to be able to look back and see how the church has been a good source of strength and help in each and every one of our lives. And when I mean by the church, I don't mean the institution of the church. I'm talking about the people who make up the church and how we have been there for one another. There are so many stories that each and every one of us will have about the different ways God has connected the dots of our lives to one another and how we could just take about 30 seconds. We could probably say about three or four different ways how so-and-so was there for me, how so and so encouraged me, how so and so just said the right thing or did the right act of kindness in my life that day that kind of changed the tide in my walk that week. And we can all, but we all have to learn to look back and remember all of those good things. And the Lord wants us to get a fresh perspective as we look ahead this year, as we begin this new year and we remember. In order so that we can have a fresh perspective on his love, on his faithfulness in our life, and how we can also have a fresh perspective on church. That say our life in God, our life in church has had some stale moments the familiarity of it has taken over, and it's kind of just become the routine and the, 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 the daily blah of life, so to speak. But God wants to infuse a fresh thing in all of us this year, if we will allow Him to do that. He wants to give us a fresh perspective. But to do that, I think we have to take ownership first and look back and realize and remember all of his love and all of his faithfulness in our life and how the church has also been a source of strength and encouragement as well. But then he also wants to use your life, wants to use our life, to also kind of help bring the shape of, of God's presence and the shape of the presence of the church in other people's lives because he wants others to know what we have. Amen? And so this usual festival that they attended If we're not careful, we can approach God, we can approach church, we can approach the things of the Lord in a way that is just kind of routine, that doesn't have any real power or any real feel or any real special thing attached to it, or we can choose. You know what, Lord? I know this is the this is what we do in our life. We, we pray, we read the Bible, we go to church, we serve, we tithe, we give, we do all of these different things. We're supposed to be kind and loving, but sometimes I just don't feel it. But Lord, this year I want you to do something new in me. I don't want to go through the motions just because that's what we do to go through the motions. Lord, I want there to have some feel to it. I want there to have some real love to it. I want there to have some real passion to it in my heart and in my life and in my family this year. And I believe if we approach it that way, in an unusual way, the Lord will honor that prayer and honor that approach. Here's the second A in this whole story. is Don't assume that Jesus is with you just because you attend church. Don't assume Jesus is with you just because you attend church. Here's kind of what the take on that from this story is. Joseph and Mary were headed home. I mean, they had just attended this God Festival. As you can imagine, you, you attend this conference, you attend this big thing where the Holy Spirit is big, and there's so much going on. Your faith gets filled, your, your vision gets opened, your hope grows, and you're just kind of filled with great things. And they were on their way home, but Jesus wasn't with them. He stayed back. He wasn't ready to go home yet. He may have been taking a little chance there at 12 years old, testing his boundaries with mom and dad. But there was something of heavenly pulling that was taking place on him that his folks didn't, didn't quite get just yet, but they would, they would catch on. And Jesus had different plans. You know, here's, here's the thing. Our plans are not always God's plans. But God's plans are always our plans, if we'll let it be that way, if we'll let it be that way. So I'm going to say something that sounds kind of oxymoronic, if it it just kind of flow with me through the train of thought with this. This year, don't rely on your attendance to church to be your anchor. Church is vital. Church is important. Church is very, very biblical throughout. It's the New Testament. What I'm saying is don't chalk up your relationship with God based on how often you attend church. Meaning, if I go to church, then God will be happy with me. Is God happy that you go to church? Absolutely. It's his house, it's where he is. He invites us to his place to be with him, to to connect with him in in all of his what he has to offer in his people. But we can, if we're not careful, we can base our Faith on the sense of our works and our performance that God's all good with me because I go to church. But what he's after is this. Make Jesus the anchor of your soul. Make him the anchor of your soul. And here's what happens. As that happens, we'll find ourselves in church more for the right reasons more often. When Jesus is the anchor of our soul, we'll find ourselves in church more for the right reasons more often. In other words, when Jesus is the anchor of our soul, it opens up so much in our life that when we give ourselves to the normal routine things of God, so to speak, it becomes big things. You know, God so specializes in doing, in our small things, doing big things with them. So many stories in the New Testament that describe that. And one of those being our, our, our faithfulness to be together as the church week after week as often as possible. But when we give our, when we make Jesus the anchor of our soul, then we find ourselves wanting to do Jesus things for the right reasons more often. We'll want to pray because that's what I want to do. I want to pray. I want to connect with Him. I want to I read the Bible not because I have to, because not because it says I should, and I check it off my to do list. It, be, it becomes more, I want to see what God has to say and what He's speaking and what it, what it means to my life. I want to be in church because I want to connect with God, and I want to connect with God's family. You see where I'm going with that? And so we can't just assume that he's with us just because we are at church, but we have to understand he wants all of us. He wants our heart, and when we make him the anchor, it opens our life up to have all of who he is for the right reasons. And lastly, I know I'm already at the third point. Are you surprised? I'm shocked myself. The third A is don't stop asking for Jesus this year. Don't stop asking for Jesus this year. Jesus later in his life, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew records this in Matthew 7. Jesus in praying teaching us to pray. He says, hey, when you pray, don't stop asking, don't stop seeking, don't stop knocking. A-S-K, ask, seek, knock. He says this, the one who asks actually ends up receiving. Question for us, what do you need to ask God for this year? Think about it. We had a little impromptu meeting in the office this week, and We got to talking about all some of the big resources we would love to have and do in order to accomplish some things. And uh, James said, why don't we just stop and ask Jesus for it? And we're like, okay, that sounds like the right thing to do. So we stopped and just asked Jesus for those things. But if we don't ask, we won't ever be able to receive Whatever the size of your ask, don't be afraid to ask it. In your mind, you might think, well, this is so mediocre. This is so pathetically small. Ask. Or you think, man, this thing is huge. How in the world can God do anything with this big one? Well, if I'm not mistaken... I'm going to preach to me for a second too. It was on the third day after a huge stone was rolled in front of the tomb that God moved the huge stone and brought back to life His Son who is now at the right hand of God forever making intercession for us. Forever interceding for you and I. I think if He can do that Whatever small ask, whatever big ask we have, he just wants us to ask him. Because when we ask, it sets us up to be able to receive. But he doesn't stop there. He says also the one who seeks will find. Question, what are you looking for in life this year that you know God is the one who can make it happen what are you looking for what are you seeking only the one who seeks will find if you lose your car keys misplace them and if you don't go looking for them I think there's probably a high chance you're not going to find them. He who seeks finds. right? Some action on our part, some ownership on our part. I hope you're thinking about your life right now, thinking about your, your children, if you have children, thinking about your family, your marriages. Thinking about your future, thinking about this year in particular. And then he doesn't stop there. He also says, The one who knocks, that's the one that the door will open for. If you want to go into a friend's house and you want to let them know you're there, well, you ring the doorbell or you text them and say, I'm here. But typically, what that means is you're knocking. And they won't know you're there unless you knock. And you can't go in until they open the door. He who knocks, for him the door will be opened. Question, what doors What doors do you need open this year? What doors do you need God to open for you this year? Because there are some doors that only he can open. And there are doors that only he can shut. And the ones he opens, no one can close. And the one he closes, no one can open. That's how strong his open and his closing is. Think about that. What doors do you need open this year? Maybe you're praying and thinking about a friend... A sibling, a family member, a loved one, or a close partner at work. We all have so many interactions with so many different people. And all the time, 24-7, those needs are always present. God's the only one, friends, who can really deal with it. Who can really handle it? Amen from the back baby corner. You know, one of the things that I think and that the Lord outlines in his word that can help create the breeding ground for these types of things to happen, for our life and our faith to move forward and to not for things to not just stay. The same? Come on, who wants some things to change at home? Who wants some things to change in your relationships? Who wants some things to change on the job? Who wants some things to change with your children? Children, who wants some things to change in your own life? Children, who wants some things to change with mom and dad? It's okay to raise your hand, you won't get in trouble. If you get in trouble, tell me, I have to talk to your parents. This is church. we got to be real, Right. Come on, teenagers have problems too, right? Sometimes we're the source of it. I don't know. That's what I'm learning. i got a 13 Oh, Pray for me, Preston. Pray for me, man. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> I think one of the things we can do on our part in ownership of this that helps kind of breed the ground for life and faith to really have some pop and some move. And and I'm not talking about a show and a showcase and a spotlight and a pizzazz. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just being able every day to have faith to move forward with what God wants for my life. Is we can pray and we can fast. And that's one of the things we do as we're in right now. We're one weekend to three weeks of prayer and fasting. And I I just want to, in the last... 2 minutes or so I want to just share with you three little thoughts or lessons about about fasting that Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter, or excuse me, in Mark chapter 2. first one is this is don't compare your fast with other people or what they're fasting. I think as humans we have a we have a we have insecurities and and we also have pride. And those both working don't ever work out good together in our life. Jesus was approached in, in, in Mark 2. It said, once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked him, Hey, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? And it's like, why don't you do it the way we do it? You're Jesus, you're the Messiah. Why don't your guys fast like we're fasting? And I just want to encourage all of us. It's really nobody's business what you're fasting or what they're fasting. If you do want to share and you do want to talk about it, by all means. But here's what I think the inner heart of the matter is. is Don't let your fast, don't let yourself be compared to what others are doing and vice versa. Either on the insecure side or on the uh, pious spiritual side. Here's another lesson is this. Fast for the right reasons. Jesus answered them. He said, hey, do wedding guests fast while they're celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't. The groom is there. But someday the groom will be gone and they will then fast. I think one of the number one reasons of fasting is to just simply get closer to the Lord. Just simply get closer to the Lord. We, you'll be amazed. Now, we could probably different ones share of those who fast at different things can share how when we do without and we put something aside for a period of time and we seek the Lord, how He begins to just open our eyes, how He begins to just kind of shed the weight of our heart, and how He begins to just move through the course of our situations. Because all we want to do is just get closer to the one who loves us the most. Who wouldn't want to get close to the one who loves us the most? And then the third one is this. He goes on and he answers. He says in verse 21, he says, Besides, who would patch an old cloth with new cloth? The new patch would shrink. It would rip away from the old one leaving a bigger tear than before and no one puts new wine into old wine skins for the wine would burst the wine skins and the wine and the skins then they would both be lost new wine calls for new wine skins I'll say this third lesson this way expect Jesus to do something new and something fresh in your life this year Expecting to do something new and something fresh in your life. And your life, my life, mean everything that encompasses it. From our own personal self, to the people that we're responsible for and that we're with. To loved ones, family members, to our jobs, to our education, to our peers. That when we commit to pray and fast... God uses that as a way to create something new and fresh. He has a way of removing the staleness and the familiarity of things and begins to give us traction, spiritual traction, to move forward, regardless of what's happening. The thing about the new wineskin and and what he's saying I believe that during worship, I felt impressed by the Lord that he was just encouraging me that, hey, he was saying, look, I'm putting a new wineskin on your church, on this church, so that the new wineskin then then can hold the new wine that I want to pour out into you. He said if, if the old wineskin would burst, and here's the thing, it... it Jesus said the wine and the, the wineskin would be both be lost. And if it burst, then you have to be presently right there where it burst in order to have any effect of it. But if you have a new wineskin and you are able to hold the new wine that he pours in, then you become in a place wherever you go, you have him working. And then as he as wherever you go, then he can use you as well to then pour into other people's lives wherever He may take you. I left a meeting Friday morning and then was going to something else and the Lord impressed on me to stop by somebody and just pray for them. And so I did. I went by and prayed for them and went on with my day and it was either later that night or the next day I got a text that said, thanks for stopping and praying. We've had more peace and just more God, sense, a sense of God's grace in our life ever since then and more so than ever before you prayed now that's not me I'm not touting myself or doting on myself I'm just saying that had I said well I'll just wait till they get to church you see the Lord wants to use us wherever he wants to pour in he wants to use us to pour out into other people's lives. May we, we have two weeks to go in this prayer and fast time. If you have started, wonderful. If you haven't, the challenge is there. The call is there. If you felt like you failed this week, start over. There's no real law to this thing. No one's going to send out a warrant for you. Say, you, you, messed your fast up this week. I just want to say this. Commit to fast something. Obviously, there's all kinds of different fasts you can do in our modern world. But I just want you to, the plain, to keep it plain, keep it simple. Fast something. And then connect yourself with the Word of God. We've taken the liberty of putting out our on our, on our website, Daily Devotions. We're reading through the whole book of John, trying to go a chapter a day. As there's 21 chapters. And out of that, picking a theme, a verse out of that and explaining that, talking about that to encourage one another. Just want to encourage you, connect with us on that. Newlifechurchofjackson.org. You can click right on the fast link and it'll pull everything right up for you. Can you stand? We're going to get ready to close out. God's always trying to remind us of who he is and what he can do we just have to take the time to stop and see it and remember it this year as we move forward I think we've got to apply the word and we've got to follow the pattern that the Lord says hey Don't approach me as usual this year. Don't approach me in the same old ways you've always done. Come at me with something and expect me to show up. Expect me to be real in your life. Expect me to show my love for you. Expect me to be big in your life this year. Don't just assume I'm hanging with you, I'm walking with you just because. Let's build this relationship. Let's grow in this together. There's so much more expansion, the Lord says, I want to do in your life. There's so much more growth that needs to happen in your life. There's so much more change that needs to happen in your life because of what I have for you and who I am in you. And whatever you do, don't stop asking. Seek me. You'll find. Knock on my door. It's always open. There are things that I can do for you that you can't do. And that's why you need me. Amen.